The MX Vice Show. Welcome everybody to episode 154 of the MX Vice Show. We have another action-packed show ready for today. For this episode, we are joined again by well-known former GP star and now trainer king in Brian Jorgensen. Before we welcome him, we'd like to thank Parts Europe and Whole Shop Motorhomes. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders. Like Philander and Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogus, and nine times world champion Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts of Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal Recluse, and many more are ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyourup.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. For sure, there is one close to you. Also, a big shout out to Whole Shop Motorhomes for jumping on board. Whole Shop Motorhomes is a UK specialist motorhome dealer for motorsport transport. They specialize in garage, motorhomes, and race vans that are suitable for a wide variety of sports such as motocross, enduro, karting, mountain biking, and more. Check out especially the Commander Motorhome that's sure to fit your needs. Check them out online. Also check out our website. We have an article and on our YouTube channel, we have a video. So explaining all the stuff they do. So check them out. And thanks again for the listeners and all the sponsors for supporting this. And thanks also to you, Brian, for joining us, mate. So how's life? And thanks for joining us. It's been a busy time, no doubt. Yeah, you know, it's uh, life is, is it's always great. It's what you make it in it. But, um, you know, I, I enjoy every moment of the, of the life that I'm having, you know, helping other people and coaching and, I'm very lucky that I also get to train with them because it's something that I that I really enjoy. Uh, still pushing myself and trying to keep in uh, in good shape. So uh, no, life is less good, but uh, quite busy. Um, um, over the last since we talked last time was maybe a little bit over a month ago. Um, it's been uh, been quite busy with some uh, fitness uh, second camps. Um, so. I had the privilege of having Bobby Bruce over. We did a couple of days together, uh, riding in the in the in the hills of Mercia, in Spain. So that was great. It was really nice weather, and uh, it was nice to see him uh, start training again and uh, getting ready for the for the two thousand and twenty four season. And then I had my own camp, which was uh, basically with with some young riders. So uh, we did uh, a lot of cycling, a lot of gym work. Uh, I had the Blue Crew winner from from Yamaha, Bertram, Toyos, and um, some other great riders as well, promising challenge for the future. So for me, it's it's a it's a privilege to be in the position that I am. You know, I I still really love training, and uh, it's great to uh, to try to be. How can you see embracing and and helping those guys and to understand what it really takes to be you know living your dream or, or be a professional writer because uh, that was something that took me so many years to find out how do I train how do I do it how much should I do during the week and how much should I do or on the off season so you know now I now I figure it all out and now I know you know what I did and what really worked for me and uh, also you know I'm in in great contact with other great coaches, you know, physical coaches as well for uh, for some of the best uh, and leading teams in in the world championship. So um, yeah, it's it's really nice and uh, I really enjoyed it. We we did a lot of cycling and uh, I had the privilege to go uh, with with uh, one of my good friends Kenny Van Duren and uh, to go up with Maxime uh, Maxime and uh, Maxime Renault and uh, Galvin Falandas. So um, to see what what kind of shape they're in and uh, you know what they're doing on the off season uh, preparation for um, for for the new season so 
it was uh it was really fun but um i gotta say it, it was also a bit tough you know we 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 uh we went training uh on on a very uh mountain a very recognized mountain place here in uh in spain and uh, uh it was uh it was tough for the old man but um I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. I love pushing myself, so uh, it was okay. Yeah, I guess they're pretty amazed at the level you still have, mate. You know, cycling, be able to even match it with those guys like world championship riders in their prime, and obviously the fitness level and the determination and the dedication, commitment those guys have. You could certainly resonate with that from your career, mate. So it must be kind of cool to sort of share your stories and also teach them a thing or two and learn about just how dedicated they all are because they're sort of in that no stone, unturned approach with Kenny there, aren't they, mate? They're doing everything on and off the bike to make them just complete packages, nutrition, sleeping, training. It's just, it's a formidable sort of program, but that's what you need to do to be a champion and even have any chance at the world championship level, isn't it, mate? No, for sure. You know, it's a, it is, you know, when, when, when when you train on your own, like I mostly do, you know, on on and off the in the season, you know, I live in a in a country where you you know you have more than three hundred and thirty, you know, sunshine's day, uh, so there would be no excuse to uh, to go out cycling. Uh, so I have done quite a good preparation, but it's always curious, you know, when you, you know, I'm I'm not twenty five anymore, or even thirty five, you know, I'm a little bit older without saying my age, but. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I I always, you know, try to train quite hard and try to train quite structured. But you never, when you don't have like a certain goal with what you're doing, you never know actually where you are, you know. So uh, it was nice to come up and, and see them. And, and of course, they are on a, on a on a much higher level. It will be, it will be maybe even sad if they, you know, I was completely on their level. <clears throat> because they're a lot younger than me and they but uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't embarrass myself, so that was the that was the main thing. Um, but it was it was a tough day. For, it was a tough day for the old man. It took me a couple of days to recover that, but uh, <laughs> it was still fun. I still enjoyed every moment of it. So uh, yeah. no, it it and and nothing. You know, you can say once you kind of figure it out, nothing have changed. You know, the preparation that I did back then when I actually figure out how to do it and my results start coming together really nice you know um that that's the same what they do today i think there's a lot more about nutrition and being a lot more aware of recuperation and stuff like that where um, i was probably a little bit more when i raised of the old school you know you just had to train hard but but now because the amount of of training is it's definitely not gone down over the years and the amount of of being able to sustain 20 grand prix you need an even wider and stronger foundation for your body and your condition to be able to to keep on that level. You know, it's it's not only like a couple of races or you know five races you have to be ready or twelve races, twenty rounds of the world championship. So everything what you do and you you stronger foundation you can build in your own body, you 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 more you're gonna be able to sustain it over the season. So I think that's the that's the biggest change. You know, the championship have extended quite a lot. You can say like in time of riding the motorcycle and training, we we also did a little bit longer motors, uh, but but now the season is so much longer and there's a lot a lot more stress on the body compared to going traveling, you know, either in the camper or you going overseas. It's constantly on the go, you know, with everything, and um, that takes a lot of a uh, torn on your body and uh, and and even your mind. So you have to be in very good shape, and uh, for sure those. Uh, uh, those two riders that I just mentioned, you know, they're they're in good shape. That's that's for sure. That it, it's not, you know, if they don't win the world championship um, in in twenty twenty four, is this it's definitely not because of their condition. I can tell you that for sure. But I guess you know, as, as we all know, there's a lot of things that have to complete that package. You know, it's not only about being, you know, physical strong or have the you know a good team behind you, but it's also about being mental strong. Um, understanding the game of 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 racing and and motocross and being smart. So, uh, yeah, I, I wish the best best of luck for the guys. I definitely know that they 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 put the work in, uh, like anyone do in that level, and it's uh, it's just a great thing to uh, to to be a, a very small part of. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. Well said. Absolutely agree. And 
I guess back to what you were saying, it's just so important this time of the year, isn't it? The pre-season, getting that off-season working because it really holds you in good stead for the season. But I suppose it's a bit of a balance between obviously they've had their time off and now they've got to flip that switch. And I guess the season just becomes so long, really, when you factor in the pre-season plus the 20-plus races, plus the warm-up races. So managing the workload mm-hmm. even in the off-season is kind of important too. So it's really got to be have someone mm-hmm. like Kenny keeping track of everything, monitoring, managing. It's just like an all-encompassing program, isn't it, mate? Like you were saying, you can't just thrash yourself every day and sort of suffer constantly. It's more like a streamlined suffering, isn't it, mate? Yeah, and you you know, you got to have a program, you know. You've got to understand uh, the importance of training. You've got to understand the importance of training hard and being able to sacrifice and being able to, um, how can I say, push yourself to to the limits and maybe sometimes beyond but it's also very important and maybe the most important to understand when to back down and when to actually you know um, recovery and 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 those other things that also is a big part of our sport with that many many races and such a a difficult championship where you're constantly pushing your body to the limits and and your mind to the limits so um it's it's very important those uh you know, those off-season uh, trainings. And, and that's something that I try to in place, you know, with my training as well, with the with the younger riders. Of course, they don't do the same quantity as I used to do or even what, you know, um, Maxime or, or those riders are doing. But, you know, at least they, they get a little bit of taste of what it means to to train every day and and, uh, and grind down and uh, what it what kind of toll that takes on, on the body. So uh, it's all about culture, mate. And it's all about you know, understanding why you're doing it and, and what you want to become and how you want to become it, you know, and, and you're not going to get anything for free in this sport. That's for sure. That's, that's definitely something that I did learn. Um, you've got to work very hard and you're going to be able to suffer and you're going to be able to sacrifice. And uh, hopefully, you know, when you have a lot of interest in the sport and a lot of passion, you don't think it's, it's such a, as we talked about before, you know, I never felt that I actually sacrificed a lot, you know, because this is what I want to do. That was my choice in life. But I did suffer a lot, you know, to to get to to uh, to where I was and uh, and and still do with my with my training, you know, to go cycling with them, even if I'm I'm not on their level. But like I said, I could, you know, I still feel really really good. But it doesn't come for free, you know. It's something that you know I constantly have. Like I said, when I do 250 or 350 kilometers a week, I mean, that doesn't come for free, you know. So that power in your legs and your physical demand to be able to go uphill with 12 or 15 or 14 percent, it's uh, it's just, you're just not able to do it if you don't put the work down. So that's why I said I'm, I'm not on that level, but I didn't embarrass myself because I have done, you know, quite a lot of kilometers this year and uh, living in a country where it is nice weather, it's, it's almost not hard not to. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Being in Australia, there's certainly and on the coast, especially where I am with my wife here, it's uh yeah, the weather's brilliant, yeah, all year round. It doesn't really get too cold in winter and the summers are awesome. So yeah, mate, being yeah. outside's the way to go. No excuses, like you said, mate. Not that I'm doing any sort of that kind of cycling, mate. But yeah, no, it's really cool no. insight there. And if you don't see it as a bird and you're sort of you're just chasing the dream because you know, everyone else has got their foot on the pedal, don't they, mate? They're not taking any time off. So if you're sleeping nope. for any little bit, those other guys are making gains. And like these guys are always changing things up to improve and make gains and they can never sort of settle, can they, mate? There's always sort of room for growth, room to change things up, test out different <laughs> techniques and, you know, principles to try to just make those small marginal gains because at that level, it's not like you're going to make huge strides. It's all about marginal gains because they're so fit. They're already so awesome at riding. It's only just minor tweaks. But when you bring them all together, like you were saying, mate, it can give you those tenths of a second each lap that can be the difference between winning and losing over the course of a season or a race weekend. So it must be really cool to just work with those guys and see how they're wired and what they're working and how they're working and just everything about them, mate. It's pretty cool. And especially in the case of Belandra, and it's really awesome. He's got that full factory ride in MXGP now, isn't it, on the Yamaha? So after sort of toiling it out pretty hard the last couple of years obviously he's had factory rides in the past but it's definitely a case of well deserved for all the work he's put in especially in the last couple of years mate so how's he he must be so excited to have that extra support and have the resources and the team behind him as well yeah i think you know i i had a chance to to speak with him a couple of times and of course like you know he's been winning gp so you know to do that uh you know definitely have the speed is not something that you're just being lucky that day you know then you definitely have what it takes 
but you know it's it's like like it was for me as well you know i could win gps on my best day and and uh but to put that package together with with a complete package and and have that a hundred percent every weekend with with its takes you know it's it's not easy and uh you know, being a factory team compared to a, a semi-private team, you can say that hopefully that give you that advances, you know, of, of more technicians with the suspension. And, you know, it's it's the tweaks here and there that gives the the, the, the big difference, you know, like, and, you know, a lot of people ask me all the time and it was quite funny because when we were out cycling, you know, I asked him, so what do you think is the biggest change when you're driving, you know, you're riding for a semi you know, semi-factory Yamaha team or, and then a full factory, you know, and he said, it's just, it's just basically, you know, that the talk of the engine is basically the power that is so controllable that it feels like you have a V12 instead of a V6 engine, you know, no matter what you hit, you know, you don't have to change this gear as much that the, the power is a lot longer. And uh, yeah, and that, that was what I remember as well. You know, you, you had a lot of power to play with. And you don't have to change gear. That means that you can really focusing on your feet, pushing on the balls of your feet, to to make sure you put so much pressure down to the foot pegs, and you know will will literally getting on on the rear wheel. So you don't have to have your foot forward heel to be able to change gear like you do on a two fifty bike. So when you have such a powerful and torquey bike, it's it's is what you have in your hand and how you actually uh, being able to um, to to transfer that into the to the rear wheel. So, um, yeah, you know, like I said, it, it's always nice to hear about people's uh, way to the to the top. And, you know, you can say that I can relate a little bit to, to him because he moved away from South Africa, coming up to Europe, you know, coming to, to Holland. And, you know, I had to move away in quite a young age from, you know, moving from Denmark to another country. So you are... Uh, you are completely alone and there is no option of failing. You know, you, you got to do your best. You got to, you know, grab every opportunity there is. And uh, I believe that, uh, you know, hopefully for him, that will give him that it's this year. And uh, hopefully he can, uh, he can step it up and, uh, and be consistent every weekend. Absolutely, mate. And Renault as well is another guy that's done it the hard way. He's had so much adversity in the past. So you definitely know those guys definitely appreciate where they are today and the resources and the package they have. So it'll be really awesome to see them have a great 2024. Just before we touch on some other topics, just give us some insights into Kenny. I only heard good things about his training program. Obviously, James, the boss at MX Vice, knows those guys well on the Yamaha team. So yeah, yeah just any insights onto what makes him such a great trainer, mate, because a lot of those guys probably don't really get the praise and the, you know, the acclaim that they probably deserve. They just sort of work away in the shadows and their expertise is just massive for these riders, isn't it? Like yourself, mate, when you teach riders. So you'd obviously have some pretty cool things to relate to and great discussions and ideas to throw around. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kenny have, have been a good, really good rider as well. Um, oh, unfortunately, got an injury on himself that caused him to, to kind of stop. But, I think to to transverse that, you know, interest and and passion for for what you did when you were a racer to transfer that over as a coach for physical training and you know we have his own gym and and uh, has been helping you know uh, Ivano van Erp and you know to to winning the world championship in the one two five class and and helping you know now factory Camille in MX two and now it's going to be MXTP of course you have a lot of experience and. And I think it's such a good thing to have, you know, control over those riders and say, this is what we're going to do, organize all the boot camps, what they need to do, you know, with physical training. And he's able, like me as well, you know, to be able to cycle with them and do the drills with them so he can control. This is guy, you know, when we do 100 kilometers today, we don't do it wide open. We do it in our special zones. And for him, you know, I think, you know, working with, with the uh, professional people and and having a lot of uh, insights of you know even the cycling sports and how they keep those riders you know up to top shape for the whole year and you know like like him is just a constantly passion to try to increase you know something with food something new nutrition something with physical training you know if it's cycling or even it's in gym work you know I've watched some of the training, what what they what they do, and it's it's a lot about balance. It's a lot different training than you know what I did when I was racing. You know, we have all these machines, and I remember I had something like thirty two exercises that I would have to run through like three times. You know, basically build the whole body 
you know, with a lot of weight and, and, and stuff like that. And that took like three hours in the gym just to do those drills, you know, with, <laughs> and, uh, and now you can go in and then do the same work and probably more effective work uh, without pumping yourself up because it's not about, you know, it's not about being big. It's not about creating a lot of muscle, but it's creating the right uh, amount of muscles to, uh, to be able to, uh, to hold for 30 minutes wide open. And, uh, you know, your more muscles you have, your more energy it takes. And, you know, so it, you know, riders doesn't have to be big today for so many reasons, I believe, you know, first of all, the bikes are a lot better, not, I would not say that there's a lot of change from when I raced, you know, let's say four strokes from 2003 to 2006 when I stopped, uh, but definitely the suspension have made a, a, a different, you know, a, a different level and maybe also, also the frames are a lot you know, more stable. And that means that the bike, you know, are handling an, a lot better than maybe what this, you know, 15, 20 years or 30 years ago. So um, you maybe don't need the same power to hold the bike in the, in the right direction, but you have a lot more power in your hand. And that means that your hip position, the way that you approach, you know, your core, everything else have to be very strong. But I always said, you know, I don't. I never had like big arms, but I have big legs and I have big calves and I have, you know, um, I had <laughs> a very strong core. I, I still train my core a lot, but you know, it. What what was a six pack? It's more like a four pack now. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so but it's I still got more try, coordination you know, and balance now, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it's it's a lot more balance and coordination, and uh, it, it's great to see that you know people are training in a different way and. You know what I try to do with my riders. You know we we do a lot of stretching. We do a lot of yoga. Uh, we have a routine. I'm staying now with. <clears throat> I rented a house up here in, <clears throat> near Red Sand, and and I having my own boot camp. My first boot camp here uh, now, and and the factory Yamaha team are staying. Uh, we're staying in the same house, so, um, you know I can see a little bit about their drills, and they can see the routines that I create. So it's up about seven o'clock in the morning. You know doing yoga and stretching and um, we eat breakfast together and then you know they go and do their thing and i go and do my my school and uh, and uh, it's great and then we come back we do the cycling uh, sometimes together and then you know some stretching again you know and and it's the basic the same things what what they're doing and it, for them it's just a lot more intense because uh, you know that they have to do a lot more drills on the on a motorcycle and you know the the cycling trips are a little bit longer than the the, the trips that I can take with my riders because that's, you know, some of them are still not professional yet. So, uh, so it, it's just to give them, how can I say some routines and, and something to work with where Galvin and Maxime already have those routines for many, many years and are very, very strong. So they know what to do. And, uh, you know, with Ke with Kenny being in the, <clears throat> in the lead of the riders, he, he do them with them and make sure they eat in the right way. And, uh, and that's what I think those boot camps are really, I don't know what he calls the, the camps, but I just call them boot camp. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's what you, you do in those camps. It's like so focused, no girlfriends, no, no nothing. It's just about, you know, eating and sleeping and, and training. And uh, of course, riding the bike a little bit. Now they have been, you know, cycling quite a bit. And, and now they're here in Red Sand just to, to get a good feeling with, with not like a, a very structured program where you have to do like, you know, this, this, this. But just get the first feeling, and then they go home for Christmas, I believe, um, and then they they will go really start drilling down for 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 the new season. Because I think also you have to be very careful that you not start too early, and you know, hammering the program like you know, because then it you come to March, April, where the season is just starting, you know, and it's just starting on the way, and then then you still have eighteen Grand Prix and nineteen Grand Prix left, you know, so. Is really a fine balance of trying to to keep in shape and keep the motivation up all all season, you know. Uh, of course, all the hard work what they're doing now is is for me it's the tough part, but it's also the fun part because you know the process as we talked about before when when we talk about winning and and some of the the things that I have achieved, you know, is you can you can say yeah I won Grand Prix, but it doesn't mean as much as the process. To, to winning that Grand Prix, uh, winning those races, you know, and and I believe that's, you know, something that those guys also, they, they really enjoy the process of of working hard every day. And, and then finally, you know, when when it comes go time in, in Argentina, it's, 
you know, it's it should be all fun and 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 laugh, you know, because all the work that you have done hopefully should be transferred over to to results. But to be honest with you, I it's not always it does that like that straight away, you know, and and you think why, you know, I've done all that work and I've done everything what I could, but you know, good things come to the people that are patient, you know, and and it's not like they would not come because that hard work you have done would never be wasted, you know. But you have to understand the process of, of, of getting the benefits of all the work that you have uh, done, and that can be sometimes hard, you know, to be patient, you know. Um, I think if I look at a rider like Maxim, he's so motivated, and you know, also Calvin. But you know, winning is a lot more than just being motivated. Winning is also about knowing and understanding when to back down and when to, you know, when you're training. Just do enough, you know. It's it's you you don't have to do over the limit when you're training, uh, because you don't get any points and you don't get any championships, you know, achievements with with just practicing. That's the process to actually get there. But it doesn't matter if you throw everything away in a practice, you know, and, and you get injured, then you lost everything. Like what, uh, unfortunately, we saw with Katie Wolf this year, you know, where, you know, he, <clears throat> I believe that he, he you know, could in my opinion, have, have won, you know, a championship, the same like um, Jago Geertz could have won a championship, you know, but you have to have a little bit of luck and you have to be at the right time, at the right, you know, at the right place. And uh, and and just one little mistake, pushing something that you think you can benefit from in the weekend can cause, you know, to be a disaster for the whole season. So it's a, it, it's, it's a very difficult, and that's why you you got to, in my opinion, admire, especially as a racer, you know, when people become 10 times world champion or nine times world champion or five times world champion, it's just, it's such a bloody difficult to do. You know, it's like to get one season together where you don't have injuries and everything runs the way that you want is already difficult enough. But to do 10 times, I would say fair play. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, hundred so, percent. Uh, and it's like what you're saying; it's just so difficult. I guess for the mindset of races, too, it's such an individual sport, and it's a lot of it. it's just them on the gate. And like you said, we were talking about extracting confidence from the work. So you're on the gate, say mm. in Argentina, you know these blokes have done the work that you're training with now. So that gives them that extra bit of boost, puff the chest out a bit, mate. Sort of, you can even maybe get into that zone where you can play some mind games, even if you want, like you said. Mm. Prado and Hurlings, but what you said about managing your training and also managing race days, because as anyone in sport, they don't want to lose. They don't even want to get past. So being able mm. to sort of cope with that, guys like Prado and Adamo, especially who are both working with Smets, that's what Adamo, mm. the key takeaway, especially with them, was they finished all the races. They did mm. what they could each weekend. Sometimes it wasn't enough to win. Sometimes it was, but just being able to cope and manage with not winning. Mm. If someone is faster than me, being able to settle for that, that's something that's a talent in itself because it's pretty difficult to accept losing or being passed without wanting to fight back and respond, isn't it? So that's another yep. sort of point that you know I just thought about when you were talking about that, just the champions from this year sort of personified and exemplified what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, and you know, it, like like I said, you know, winning a not because I ever won a, a world championship myself, but you know, <clears throat> I have I have been there and 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 got a taste of it. And you know, it, winning championship is not always about just winning. It's it's about being there every single weekend, and it's about you know being patient. You know, we we've seen that every example of this year with with Adamo. You know, like yeah, he was <clears throat> he he was fast. Don't get me wrong, and you know. I believe everyone uh, deserves to win a championship that put the hard work in, but but also, you know, played a little bit on the the, the non uh, lock that you know Jago Geertz had, you know, with with several of incidents that was actually not his mistake, you know, and uh, but but sometimes one little mistake that you think didn't have high consequences caused to another mistake, and then. You know, you kind of get that ball rolling, and it's, it's just like then you know what happened in Finland when someone crashed in front of him is like I think it was in Finland, I'm not sure, where he you know he was in there, he couldn't do nothing. But then you can say again, well, if you didn't come back for that injury, like so, and maybe having that little doubt because mm. you broke his collar, he broke his collarbone, would he not have been like first or second in the start? You know, he would not have been six in the start. So you know, it's it's all very difficult to tell. I I definitely feel a bit 
sad for Jago Gears because I I do believe over the last you know two years he's been he, he's been the fastest rider you know in MX2 class, and he still haven't won the world championship, which is, you know you you can put that as a uh, that's a shame, or maybe there's a bigger things from him, you know maybe there's a bigger things to achieve for him in the future, you know maybe his luck will will yeah. will come later. So uh, you know, we we saw him performing on a on an MXGP bike in Motocross of Nations in in the US, and that was definitely mm-hmm. didn't didn't disappoint. Uh, this year was not as um, promising, but what was the the case? I do not know. Um, yeah, it was quite but, interesting. Um, you sort of just look at the stats, and he had eight GP wins, and Adamo had two mm-hmm. GP wins. But obviously, Adamo mm. was there for all the races, and his average overall finish was three point four two. And I think Prado mm. only had two GP wins as well, but his average overall finish was in the threes as well. And obviously, he smashed it in the qualifying races. But it mm. just shows the importance of managing and even just being there, being healthy and consistent, isn't it, mate? Yeah, and it's not always, you know, the people that are the fastest are going to win a championship. We've, you know, we had that in the past with, you know, Survival, Ricky Carmichael was. Yeah, yeah, you know, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart, you know, they're, they're always they're always talking about the fastest man on the planet, but, you know, we're still the, the second fastest man on the planet that, that won the championship because he was the fastest, he was the consistent man on the planet, you know, so, and that was going to win the championship. So it, it's all interesting and, you know, that, that's the great thing about our sport. I think there is not like a certain way. To become a champion, there's so many different ways. You have to be at the right time, at the right, you know, the, the right place at the right time. You have to, you know, uh, keep believing in the process of what you're doing. And uh, suddenly it's, it's there or it's not there, you know, where you less expect it. And, um, and, and that's the great thing about the sport. You know, it's, it's so unpredictable because you think you're doing really, really well. And you've you've got it all figured out, and then suddenly you know a little thing, a little tweak would happen, and and it's all lost. And uh, you know, and and the other way around as well, where you didn't expect, you know, something that's gonna come up after injury or whatever, you don't expect. You just go there with a mindset that I'm just gonna get, you know, do my best as always, and and get as many points as possible, and then you. You know, you you closing the weekend down with winning both motors and and getting the highlight of your career, and you think, how how so? How did I do that? You know, so it it's all uh, fun and games, and uh, it's unpredictable. But uh, you know, let's see what what's gonna happen. I think it's gonna be very interesting MX two championship uh, mm. season, and uh, also the MXTP is gonna be very interesting to see also what Hurlings can do when coming back. You know, it's a uh, definitely. You know, he's shown he have the capability of, of winning races, uh, but will he have the capability of keeping consistent and, and not override? So, yeah, and um, obviously guys are being back from the start. If he all goes well in pre-season, Fever and Sewer on the Kawasaki's like it's just stacked, isn't it? Obviously the guys you're training, Yago, yeah. there's just so many names, Ferrato, Guadagnini, obviously Prado, obviously we were going to talk about him too with the Supercross. He'll be defending yeah. the title with that number one plate, mate after those first three rounds. So it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. Obviously, we mentioned it last time and the pitfalls and the positives attached to it. So it's been confirmed that he's obviously going to do it. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how he goes. Obviously, technical, smart, safe, intelligent rider. Doesn't sort of take too many risks, but obviously in Supercross, all that's elevated, especially when you're racing it, not just riding it. But I guess it'll be a key little stint these races to see if he will want to go full-time next year, won't it, mate? And just to see how he adapts to it all, the race and the Lawrence Brothers, Rox and Tomax. Sexton, Anderson, Rulo, Plessinger. It's crazy, isn't it, mate? The depth and talent. Mookie, Christian Craig. So I guess for you, what are his expectations? Would you just be saying top 10? It's a pretty good result, isn't it? Because those guys are no joke and they've probably been racing slash riding Supercross in some capacity for the best part of their careers probably. So it'll be fascinating. Yeah, you know what? I really hope that he, and 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 I think he's, he's a very smart kid, you know, Horko. Uh, Prado is, you know, he he knows what he's doing, and it he he never seems to be over carried away by emotions of someone else's expectation. So I think he's he he would do quite well, but I have no idea, you know, because you you watch those videos on on uh, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the videos that is available of him, and you know he looked pretty good. But you know, there's 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 a lot of difference, especially in Supercross. There's a huge difference between riding Supercross and racing Supercross. So, 
you know, I think with 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 coming away, with getting in the finals and and get maybe I don't even know, but if you start stacking the names down of of the Supercross for this year, um, I don't see an available spot coming into like maybe outside the top ten, and I still think that would be a very very good result for him because this this is what people that he's competing against have done for years, you know. Like even someone yeah, so, like Dean Wilson's battling for top tens, and that's sort of just a testament to how stacked the class is, isn't it, mate? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so I think like a top ten would be really good. I just really hope that he can control the, you know, the how can you say the, you know, the kind of mandem to. Of course, when you're coming as a world champion, you want to go over there and show them. But I hope that you know he he feels that he doesn't have to show anything in Supercross because it's not he's it's not he's speciality you know motocross is his speciality at, as it is in this point today and um you know hope go over there and don't get injured i think that would be the main goal i i know that he's not going to think about that but that's what i'm thinking about you know i just i just don't want him to to get injured and i just want him to come healthy to europe with with that you know experience that what he get and then you know that would be a great setup for him to to find out what what is his future gonna look like? Is it gonna be in Europe or is it gonna be in America? And uh, and that would be uh, that would be great. And then we can get on with with our world championship and and get a great season on the way. You know, I've seen you know most of the guys here in in Red Sand uh, training. You know, Febra is here, Siva is here, Goldenhoff is here. Of of course, Maxime and and you know all the many of the top riders are are here. So. Uh, um, I think everyone is 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 uh, putting the hammer down to uh, to to try to win a world championship like like every year. Yeah, mate, they're all flying at the test track, no doubt, mate. Super fast and just <laughs> looking ready to attack it as we always hear, mate. But yeah, there's still a long time between March, obviously, and one of the, sort of the key things that we're looking at and talked off air before was just these new teams, obviously coming into the world championship and the super mm. scene with Ducati and Triumph, especially, and obviously Beta quite recently as well. But how exciting is that, mate? It's so good for the riders, for the teams, obviously for the sport to have these high profile, traditionally road racing brands and road bike producing brands. Obviously they venture mm. a little bit into that adventure stuff, but obviously predominantly road racing in terms of elite motorsports. So to have them in motocross is so cool, isn't it, mate? So obviously Tony Cairoli having a key role in leading that Ducati sort of program alongside Lapino. They'll be doing a lot of the testing, which should really, you know, streamline and fast track and use all the resources Ducati has because it's no joke, eh? The finances, the muscle they have is really impressive and obviously all the data tracking and what they can do will just be amazing. So those bikes should be pretty incredible when they're ready and obviously Triumph, they're coming into it this year with a man you know well, Harrow, on the team with McClellan, two really exciting riders. So just really great for the sport. Creates a new dynamic, a new buzz, new excitement for the fans, just the industry as a whole. And it shows that it's going in an upward trajectory that they're wanting to have their own factory motocross teams where, you know, in years past, mm. this, you see the sport maybe was on a decline with this kind of stuff. But if you see someone like a Ducati, especially getting into it, you know that it's in a good place and it's worthwhile making these bikes especially with the rise of the electric stuff mate so just your mm. thoughts on all of that mate there's so much to tuck into and to be excited about yeah no it's definitely you know um hearing the announcement um that tony was 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 not cooperating with ktm you know you can say that's sad or not sad i i don't have any emotion involved with that but uh, i definitely think the flip side of kind of that is when you when, when you hear about Ducati is coming into to World Championship Motocross, which is such a big company, you know, and, and been such a leading company in MotoGP for a couple of years, you know, and now you see some of the, the, the top riders and, you know, already winning, winning MotoGP's World Championships. I believe that the win this year, I don't follow MotoGP that much, but I think they, they won the the, the MotoGP this year, you know, the World Championship. <coughs> and being um, owned by an even bigger concern, you know, like uh, I, I think it's, it's very good for the sport and it kind of centrals more of, you know, people like Tony going to MotoGP, um, going to Formula One, you know, and I understand the, the great opportunity that he gets with with this role and uh, being a team manager. And I think he, you know, he's been led by so many years by Dekali, which, you know, which is, is one of the best team in the world and I've proven that over, you know, time and, and so many years. 
and with Tony being involved with the Kali since 2004 and, and see how everything should be run and developing of the bikes. Yeah, he should, she should be the perf- perfect uh, guy to, uh, to be a leader of this, this kind of, uh, of, of brand. And, and, and he still loves still riding a- too, doesn't he? That's the thing. He still wants to ride. Like maybe that's something that was just a key thing. He wanted a new challenge, but he wanted to still be able to ride the bike and just sort of do the testing and stuff. And doing it with one of his best mates in Lapino should be a pretty good dynamic, shouldn't it? Yeah, so, you know, that's what, what Stefan did in the past. He, you know, Stefan was a big part of the developing of the 350. So he got like a project here. Here's your project, you know, make that as good as possible. And, you know, with, with, with Tony being a KTM, you know, guiding rider and helping as a team manager, maybe doesn't do it for him. You know, he, he wants to be a part of a program where the voice, you know, probably will be leading more to his opinions about how to develop the bike. And, uh, you know, that. KTM have been proving of, of winning many times. So, you know, there's all these stepping stones of developing, but um, I think for him to be a, a main leader in a, in, in a program that he's being able to develop, of course, gives a great satisfaction and give a great motivation. And, and Tony is still a really fast rider, as we saw, you know, he's actually, you know, <laughs> beat, <clears throat> beat his own rider in, in a in a, a great Belgium international, so uh, he still have the speed and the and the physical demand to do it. So uh, I couldn't think of a of a better guy to um, to to be behind this project. Yeah, and just your take on Triumph and Harrop and McClellan as well, mate. Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I I don't know a lot about it. I haven't spoke with with Mikkel for 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 uh, for a year or something. Um, but uh, what I see on the on the on videos that he put up and the bike looks great and and Ricky Carmichael being a part of that testing program back in the US and you know they have definitely committed themselves to you know buy uh I think I think they have like a testing track down in Malaga and in, in south of Spain uh where they do all the riding and and also you know investing a lot of time and developing into uh, the MX2 world championship and probably will develop into a MXGP team, you know, in the future for 25. So uh, they have already established the track and, you know, all the test facilities. Yeah, we, we can only say it's great for the sport. And I think I'm very excited to actually see where it goes. And, and of course, you know, uh, for Mikkel, for being from Denmark, and uh, I, I remember, you know, working with Mikkel when he was on a 65 and just getting up an 85 and uh, the dad already said to me back then, he said, we want to do world championship in, you know, like three or four or five years from now. And, you know, look at where he is now. And I, I really hope this is the last year for him in the MX2 class. So it would be great for him to to uh, finish off with a with a great results of what he deserved because you really have the speed. And then hopefully, you know, leading the MXGP team into, you know, something great for the future with, with triumphs. I think that would be... Uh, a good start for him and, and hopefully one day a good finish as well. Would you say, yeah, absolutely, mate. Would you say that they're probably like podiums for those guys would be the bare minimum aim or is it sort of too much to tell with once you obviously get the bike racing? I'm pretty sure they're not doing any pre-season races from what I've heard. So <laughs> what the rest no. Resta was saying. So they sort of, especially in America, they're going cold in the Supercross. So I guess that's sort of an element of the unknown. How good is it going to be? Obviously, the technicians and the team are working, you know, so hard behind the scenes and developing and testing. So it's just kind of a wait and see. But I suppose anywhere, you know, obviously those guys are top 10 riders every day, aren't they? So I guess mm. get to the podium as soon as possible. Those guys... They want to win, don't they, mate? So especially Harip, I believe it's his last year in MX2, so he'll logically probably make the step to MXGP with the team. So really exciting mm. times ahead, but a lot of unknown too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, being being a part of a factory team, doesn't matter if it's new or old, it's always going to give you some kind of edge, you know? And when you get the chance to develop the bike and developing the program, it gives you even more satisfaction. You know, hopefully, I would say it's, you know, I, I don't even know where to set my goals. So, you know, I, th- I definitely know that Mikko is a capable guy to run top five in the World Championship. And I even say that he was capable of running top three. Uh, and that would be a great satisfaction for, for Triumphs if they can do that. Is is never heard of the history of motocross. Not not in my time anyway. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know, but before me maybe. But um, yeah, I think that would be a great achievement. And I'm sure that, you know, if that happens... 
um then that would be that would be happy days for for everyone and uh, you know i think when you come in with approach not you know not asking too much but definitely aiming high for goals i i guess you know when when they receive that and i believe that we'll receive that because they are, they are very good riders um it's just a great achievement in it and uh, it's something that you know that gives you motivation to to do even more and uh, like i said you know i don't know what developing the triumphs have done uh, <clears throat> or where they take the you know technician from uh, i i it reminds me a little bit without knowing but what i have to see and with my own eyes and and opinion it looks a little bit like a ktm uh, in in many ways where the ducati is probably you know is is a newborn so it, everything is you know ducati don't take anyone from this and from that and they will you know there will there will be a manufacturer that will analyze all the bikes and probably have every every mm. bike lined up like anyone else have there's not a a japanese bike and and they will analyze and then they will start the production of of everything and that's i believe why also they are not you know when you heard triumphs of course you know ricky carmichael has been part of that project for 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 a longer time that we we probably know um but the bike is finally here and, and it's been shown to Cassie. we have not seen too much and i believe that's why they are still testing and doing and finding out how the package should be you know um and that will probably take a little bit longer time because they have to create the the the, the baby you know yeah. um, a lot of technology in the gcaddy one what i'm hearing yeah so uh you know with with the with the triumphs as i believe i don't know anything about it uh, the the baby was kind of already born and you know then we just let it grow from here this is the way i i see it but i could be completely wrong uh but that's what i see with my eyes yeah, not definitely. that i know anything from anyone yeah just definitely watch this space it's gonna be really cool to see how it shapes out i know it's march when the world championship starts but it'll come around quick won't it mate so it'll be honest oh my god yes. In a month, A1 will have been and gone. So that's quite scary where the time's flying, mate. But just a couple more before we let you go. Just wanted to touch on the Barkers. Obviously, super talented young British riders. Obviously, you train them, do a lot of work with them. Just we dropped the news on MX Vice today about the AVT Campus KTM deal for 2024, where they'll be racing, you know, World and European Championship, British level. So mm. across that team. But yeah, really exciting times ahead for Lucy and James, isn't it, mate? So just tell us about what makes them such great athletes. And especially Lucy seems to be really on an upward trajectory, obviously winning the European title and then obviously giving the World Championship a full-time crack this year too, mate. Yeah, you know, like I, like I said, with with any riders that I work with, it, it doesn't matter. The material you have to work with is not able to have enough, you know, have enough high goals to actually want to achieve them and 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 you know you can have high talent you can have low talent you can have something between but always the work effort that you're willing to put in is always going to give some kind of a, a feedback with results in the end and uh, those two uh definitely have the structure um you know i'm helping as much as i can you know with giving them the routines that they need um and and doing the drills on the bike and um uh, you know, when I start working with Lucy last year, uh, I remember the first time I see her was in 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 the UK, where I did a, a, a just an open training school, and they they turned up and uh, and I was like, who's that girl on the on a eighty five? You know, and uh, she said, oh, I'm gonna move up to the one two five, and I said, ah, oh, okay, that that sounds great, but she was already quite fast, and then you know, during the first year of the European Championship. She called me up and it was the first round was actually in Denmark. And I, I couldn't be there because I had other obligation with, with Yamaha Europe uh, for, for training the Blue Crew Riders. So I was at another race and I said, you know, she said, oh, I'm so nervous. I don't know what to expect. And I said, well, that can be really good and it can be really bad. And the, in a the good way is that, you know, you, you just don't put too many expectations on yourself. And, and the bad way is like, yeah, you don't know if they are a lot faster than you, but if you're just focusing on yourself and just doing what you do, we 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 know that we have definitely done the work and we have done the drills that could take you in 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 a good direction. Then it's just about being being happy and being positive and and just take it as as it comes. And and then me, she called me on on the Sunday and she won both races and she was like, 
you know, and she didn't even expect that. And I didn't even expect that because as, as a coach as well, you can see when someone is doing really well, but because I don't know all the competitors, especially in the, in the women's European championship, you know, you never know what to expect. So uh, that was great for her. And, and she basically find out that the, the goal of, of Lotte van Dronen was also doing the European championship in, in the MX2 class and the race together, you know, 125 and 250 race together in the European. So she could see that she was getting closer and closer to to Lotte during the season. And and that was the main goal to actually going to Arnhem and, and after she won the European championship to go to the world championship and see what she could do there. Obviously, we know we were a little bit on the back foot with with a one two five there uh, against the two fifties. But she said, uh, "Do you think I should move up to the two fifty before we go to Arnhem?" So I said, "No, just just go on the bike that you know and you feel comfortable with, you know, because it's not important if we get top ten or top twenty or whatever. It's just for you to get a feeling of being there with the riders." So uh, and she did really really well, and. Uh, now uh, having the boot camp now for uh, for Luz and James and, and several other riders, you know she's doing really really well and and the two fifty I thought would be a bit of a, a handful for her because she's not like a, a big girl, but uh, she's definitely a strong girl and uh, and uh, she she's already now I can see she's feeling a lot more comfortable on two fifty than she did on her one two five so. Uh, yeah, you, have, you know, you never know. It's um, it, one of the main things uh, to look at when, when I'm working with riders like this is, you know, do they actually have the desire to win and, and determination to, to keep going and, and do things? And she is so, first of all, such a, a happy person. You know, she's always smiling, always having fun, always taking you know, a, a little bit of joke here and there. So, and, and when you can keep it on that level and, and still having a lot of fun with all the drills and the training that we are doing, it's uh, it's great with, to work with people like that. And that goes the same for, for James, you know, James Barker, which is her brother, uh, which, which did quite a few European championship this year and, and did quite well. And uh, we, we are still missing a little bit of a, a preparation. So... It's just those things that we, you know, to be good at something, it, it doesn't take one year, six months, or, you know, it takes uh, a few years to get there. And that's what I am keep telling them, you know, like you have to, to learn to be patient. You have to love the process of, of getting there. Maybe you don't get there, but, you know, with hard work, with a lot of dedication, you will get there somehow and you will maybe get the fully benefit of everything. But, you got to love the process because the process of what we're doing not only brings something to do towards racing, but it also brings something towards your personality and, and you are able to sustain something and, you know, keep going at something, even if you have, you know, maybe some bad luck or you feel that you have things against you, but when you keep going, it, it will turn around and it, it will be good in the end, you know? So um, it's great to work with with the people like that that have such a great motivation and and they're happy and you know uh, positive people and and that goes for the whole family you know they're willing to do anything what it takes and you know the the whole family the mom is is back in in the UK uh, running her business and the dad comes out with with them out here and you know we we do all the training together and uh, it it's just a it's just a great, it's just a great atmosphere, and it, you know, to be honest, we're really happy to work with such a, a great people. Yeah, awesome, mate. Obviously, exciting times ahead, and they want to learn, obviously, and they want to get better, and just keep persevering and being patient. Usually, the results come. I believe I was talking to Max Spees a few months ago, and he obviously getting top tens in MXGP this year, and like just a few years ago, it was like I was getting lapped in EMX. So it shows how far you can go in a short amount of time if you just stick at it and just kind of let it come to you. Even though the nature of racing and riders and any athlete is to be impatient, so it's pretty cool that yeah. you know they obviously learning all those lessons early, and they've good they got you in the corner, mate, because you've been through it all seen it all done it all got the knowledge and they want to learn so we look forward to seeing what's in store for them and just a quick update on bobby bruce obviously with the uk audience pretty heavy on mx vice really exciting young rider he's just had a rough trot with injuries but definitely looking forward for a good 2024 for him mate so how's he going training well always loves the cycle, <laughs> doesn't he mate yeah no he's definitely also not uh afraid of putting the the the, the drills down i think he uh 
he got a bit bit surprised last time when we we went cycling together uh, but uh, now I don't know if he got it that's maybe the wrong word but like I said to him you know what I have done compared to last year when he was in really good shape and I was in okay shape um you know I have probably done a lot more this year and he had been injured so you know I said don't 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 go home from here thinking that that you are in bad shape because I'm just I have really you know tried to put very consistent training down and uh, you know cycling is it's such a funny sport and such a funny drill because you know of course you know when you do a lot of cycling when you do a lot of climbing and you know you your legs get really strong and and when you when your legs are strong is is you know your heart rate would kind of follow of course like my heart rate you know it is more difficult when you're getting over to to get a high heart rate but for me i've already done you know so many years and and all my life i've done a sport uh, a sport with such an intensive sport where you're always drilling high heart rates you know always pushing the top of the limit so i can get to heart rates that not many people are able to do in my age and i can keep you know like if anyone knows anything about training i mean when i was out cycling cycling with kenny van duren and and uh, and calvin and 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 then maxime i had an average of 160 uh, so that means that to to have an average of 160 you have to be well over like you know 150 like 168 175 and my highest heart rate, you know, going up the the cold rut, uh, in in the in Spain was uh, was one eighty nine. So uh, you know, it's uh, it shouldn't be really possible in in my age to have such a high uh, heart rate for such a long time without completely being completely used. But uh, I think I also had a little bit of a you know extra motivation when I'm riding with those young guys, and then and you know to to be honest with that, gave me a great great motivation as well to be able to do those things still in in my age not because i consider myself old but i'm old in the sport of motocross because you know i stopped when i was about 32 and now i'm i'm here so many years so many years later and and still feeling probably a lot stronger in cycling now than i felt when i was younger so you know i said to bobby you know you are still in really good shape you of course have to to get it to drill down now and uh, to work towards the season. But I am just in a lot better shape than I was last year because now I live in Spain. I've been a lot more consistent with my training. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I think he's just building the program now and, and getting stronger and he will be start riding uh, very soon. Um, I know that they are trying to put the packets together for him for, for, for 2024 and, of course, I hope for the best, and uh, we can we can start work hopefully soon when we have a a little bit of a more solid program. Yeah, mate, well said, absolutely. And just before we let you go, any final thoughts, mate? What's up for the next couple of weeks before Christmas? Taking the foot off the gas a bit, or just going hard? Yeah, well, I I am actually pretty much wide open. You know, I'm I'm gonna having my boot camp until Saturday, and then um, being who I am, I'm actually decided to take my Sunday off in, in Kalpa to uh, to trail around the mountains there. So I'm going to stay there for one day. <laughs> um, just going up the the same mountain as I was uh, with other guys and uh, just see if I can beat the time. Because when I was when I was with them, we, we had to do over, you know, I think we did 90 kilometers. And it's pretty much up and down. We did, you know, we climbed probably about, I think it was 1,300 or 1,500 meters. Um, so there was quite some serious uh, uphills. So when you do it the first time, you never know what to expect and how the mountains is is gonna go. So I was I, my heart rate was definitely high enough, but I was always thinking, should I reserve a little bit here? So when we when we start doing the climb, I was like, you never know. It's it's it is. I knew that it was about nine kilometers uh, uphill. So I was like, hmm, okay, that's a bit longer than down in my way because this maybe climbs uh, could be steeper, but they're definitely shorter, uh, shorter. So, you know, and going in that pace, I'm like always trying to keep a little bit in reserve because I know when your legs go and you have, you know, 30 or 40 kilometers left, it's, it's just not fun anymore. You know, the fun goes off. <laughs> so 
I was I was trying not to, you know, to uh, to get carried away and and go with Maxim up the mountain because then I knew I would be you know I would be gone when when I reach the top you know so uh, so I would like to go and try that same route again but just with my myself because now I know what to expect and uh, and see if I can maybe make a little bit better time but uh, otherwise I'm I'm back home in uh, in my. Uh, in my house in in uh, Alicante, uh, Mercia, near that area, and then I'm gonna fly home and get my son from uh, from Denmark. He's uh, he's only thirteen, so he's gonna have Christmas with me, and my daughter is gonna have Christmas at home with her mom this year. And uh, yeah, just uh, just having Christmas, and you know, we have a twenty fourth. We have Danish Christmas. Uh, always we are, we are like two families together now so i have my stepson and stepdaughter which is you know um my my girlfriend is from from the uk but of obviously, obviously they are born and and raised in spain so we're gonna have 24 we have danish christmas and i'm gonna do the the christmas dinner which i said is totally on your own responsibility <laughs> we will see how that will work up maybe in the next podcast we will have a podcast <laughs> just about that um and then the twenty fifth is gonna be a uh, you know a, a English Christmas uh, because we have we have on the twenty fourth, and uh, and then we're going away on the twenty sixth for a little ski uh, trip on the twenty sixth and twenty seventh, and then I'm actually back uh, at Red Sand at twenty ninth having uh, I'm another camp uh, with with about um, twenty two riders so that's gonna be very busy. Um and then I'm back home in Spain again after the the sixth of January, uh back home to to Alicante, and then uh, I have another boot camp from the twentieth to twenty sixth, uh of of January. If uh, if anyone wants to go there, there's still some spaces left there, and then I'm actually going back to Denmark again, to uh what we call Herning Supercross, uh where I have a little little part of of Yamaha Scandinavia uh, helping them and watching the Supercross and there I'm with with my kids as well so we always go over there have a have a, a daddy a son and, and daughter day where we just go over for a couple of days just watch the Supercross and we are so lucky to have such a great cooperation with Yamaha Scandinavia that they have some really nice VIP lounges where we can sit and eat and it's just a really nice weekend with the kids and uh, and then I'm back Back again, you know, for week seven uh, for my for my training school, and then I have some private schools in week eight, and then uh, week nine I have a Blue Crew Yamaha training school in Red Sand as well. So uh, and then I'm, I think I was I was finished in March, but now I just had uh, a couple of people that uh, I have a guy from India that coming over to to stay with me for three months, uh, and then I have another guy uh, maybe from Germany that. That wants to have some private sessions, so you know it never stops. But you know what? I'm I'm blessed and I'm lucky to um, to um, to have people that you know can see me as a inspiration to be able to learn their kids to be faster and more safe. And uh, and you know I I I a great pleasure of actually having that privilege that people really trust and and believe in my my way of of coaching and. Uh, and you know the people that I have this week, I have people from South Africa as well. You know, coming over, I organized and helped organizing the bikes, and you know, and that was through another um, a great friend of mine, Paul Cooper, that actually you know was a was a good racer, many times British champion. And you know, it's it's such a great thing when when you have so many great people in the sport and they can. You know, um, how can I say they they talk so good about you, and and then when they come over, they are like over the moon, and they're really happy of the way that you're coaching, and you know, I try to help them as much as possible, and and that gives a great satisfaction for me, and also for you know my relation with with the people that recommend me as well. You know, I'm I'm always trying to do my best, you know, and uh, for some people it's enough, and some you know maybe for some people it's it's, it's never enough, and that's that's the reality of life in it. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm always definitely trying to make it as as comfortable for people to come over and and you know even the people from India because I know for myself when I travel away from Denmark 
you know, you're coming over to a brand new country. You don't know about anything. It's, it's so important that you get with the right people. And, and that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do. And, uh, you know, trying to make that trip as pleasant and as happy as, as possible. The people from South Africa are over with, uh, you know, four people. So there's only one day's riding and then there's another daughter and another son and the mom and the dad, you know, so you more I can help and, and, and uh, make that trip worthwhile is uh, it it really gives me a great satisfaction you know and and when you can see people he's only been riding for about 18 months where when paul said that you know paul cooper you remember him yeah you, for sure yeah he's such a great guy and and such a good rider as well uh, but when he said that yeah he's only been riding for 18 months i was like bloody hell and you want to go all the way to europe you know and to red sand where the the, the tracks are quite difficult but that kid is on a one two five, and I bought him a husky, um, because he rides Husqvarna when he's back in South Africa, and he's he's unbelievable. Like uh, I've never seen anyone ride a motorcycle only for eighteen months and be on that level that he is. You know, it it, it took me years to <laughs> to get there. So, you know, and and the family, you know, are so willing to maybe even move to uh, to Spain and and want him to do European Championship and and everything like that because they have. You know, to have a business that is already settled and 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 working really good, so he doesn't have to be. You know, he's he's already done all the hard work. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm so blessed and lucky uh, at at most of the times and in my my coaching career to really be working with great people and and um, you know, I think it's it's nice for me as well that I have you know managed to establish uh, a good name in the sport and. Uh, and be loyal and be you know honest and and uh, that you know finally uh, you can say always pays off in the end and uh, it you know it doesn't matter how many times i've been on the podium now or whatever i have done in my career it gives it gives a great foundation but it's it's more valued about what kind of person you are and what what person you you know you can help other people and you can you can be honest and you can be consistent and, and, you know, all those things. I think it gives a, a, a lot more value to me than, than actually telling people that I've been 17 times on the podium. It, it doesn't mean that much, you know, it means, like I told you, it means a lot, but it means the process that I've been doing it. It's yeah. a great satisfaction, but mostly I want to just, you know, be remembered for being a great person. And that's what's most important for me. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well said. Certainly busy and exciting times ahead, mate. A lot on your plate, but it's good to Definitely. see you balancing it up with a bit of work and play as well, you know, spending time with the family, this kind of stuff, mate. So all the best and thanks again for joining us on this one. Before we go, we'll just thank AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross enduro parts from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces to performing cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversizing pelicans. ASRLs have a huge range of brake, clutch, and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. All right, Brian, thanks again for joining us, mate. All the best in Spain there, and keep grinding it out and working hard, mate. Obviously, it's all paying off, so enjoy it, mate. We look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks a lot, mate. I will uh, I will keep struggling here in the good weather and, and the sun, but, uh, you know, like I said, always, <laughs> I said to the guys when we was, was training, you know, someone got to do it. Yeah, <laughs> and I always, I always say to myself, there must be people that have it worse than me. Yeah, well, yeah. Said, right. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, it's not too bad, and uh, thanks a lot, and thanks a lot for having me on the show. I I hope you know, uh, of course, people appreciate it, and and probably they can take some something nice things away from it. You know, to you and to all the people out there, you know, Merry Christmas to everyone, and I hope everyone have a, a great Christmas and uh, and would spend some time with their family. No worries, mate. All the best and we look forward to speaking soon.